Hello, Vitamizers. Welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with Slenderella and your co-hosts Nurse Doza and Baldo at Tex-Mex Yogi. Baldo and I are still in Barcelona and or somewhere in that region (laughs) when you're listening to this episode and we're having a blast and yeah, just wanted to say we can't wait to bring you the episode or episodes that we have recorded while overseas, exploring, taking some time off, rejuvenating and get ready, getting ready for an amazing 2020. We hope you guys have kicked off your new year to a great start. And before we introduce our guests... The How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Yes, I said guests in the beginning because we have two today. They are the co-founders of Prep to Your Door. We have Heather and Fayez in the house. They are good friends of ours. They come hang out a lot. Uh, MSW Lounge, which is one of our facilities, uh, does weekly lunch and learns and Prep to Your Door caters them each week. And Heather and Fayez have done a really cool job of creating a company that seeks to 100% be sustainable. I didn't really word that properly, did I? (laughs) They seek to be 100% sustainable, including the way they treat their employees, the um, things that they deliver their food in, how they're delivering their food, the cars they're using, and of course, obviously, the actual food that they are delivering. Really interesting concept, great people. We love talking with them, and I think you guys are going to love this episode. Here are Heather and Fayez on the How Do You Health podcast. All right, so welcome to the How Do You Help podcast. You can say hi to the cameras. Hello. We are here with Heather and Fayez, and I really do think that this is our 100th episode, and if it's not, then we'll just wait an extra episode and release it for the 100th. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to uh, to be talking to you guys again. We've had Fayez here once before. We wanted to have you, uh, and so now we have both of you, so that's great. Um, 
Fires and Heather are the founders of have uh, Prep to Your Door, which we love here because they sponsor our lunches, and a lot of our clients love your food. We always have great comments about it, and obviously we just talked to someone that's probably going to be starting with you guys as well too. Um, but uh, so say hi to the people and, and tell us a little bit about backstory because I know a lot of it has to do when from when when you were on the podcast you you talked to us about how you guys started back in New York is that correct yeah and you guys were living in an apartment and you guys and you were doing this for yourself at first right yeah this is actually before I met Fayez Mm -hmm. so I was living in New York obviously think everything life on the go lifestyle and you always want to save money where you can. So I would <laughs> go to Costco. Costco has a great organic section. I'd buy a bunch of organic stuff, go home, prep my meals for the week in mason jars because I didn't want plastic touching my food and I wanted it to be super durable con- uh, container that I could take with me. Um, so that's how it started. And I loved it. It was, I got, I got to be creative and every day I would eat my food, I was like, this is so good. I was like, I don't know, it just so felt so fulfilling. And my <laughs> coworkers were always like over my shoulder, like, what'd you bring today? Because it's really fun to like look at a mason jar and you can stack a salad differently and it's beautiful aesthetic. And well, it's funny because I always thought about like whenever they do like the, the sand, you know, like the sand uh, yeah, decorations in the yeah, jars. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's always so nice. Like, how do they do that? I mean, obviously it's it's a process and I'm sure there's a lot of figuring out and a lot of messing things up right and like I'm, I'm sure right like is that, is that am I correct about that like totally I mean when we started and we're making jars for ourselves for the week which is like five meals that's easy right but when you're making thousands of meals the whole you know scenario changes so like different how you actually get that food into jars is it becomes an engineering project it becomes a design thinking project like how do you actually cook food at that scale and maintain the quality and, you know, make people feel like it's still home cooked and special? Yeah. So it's, it's, I always think like in business, you go from an idea to a product and most people are in between that stage. And then if you stick around, you go from product to business than business to company and that's when you build a team and so we're like we're in that phase now that's really interesting uh we have like a whole culinary team that takes care of the food for us and heather is super knowledgeable about food and flavor profiles and i know nothing about that (laughs) and to hear her speak with our executive chef they just understand food on a totally different level and it's really fascinating to to listen to it's so bizarre i have no culinary professional training sure but i have this crazy intuition with food and that's honestly where it started your dad's a farmer too that's not what he was <laughs> but by trade he's the same thing he yeah. he has in intu- intuitive farming capabilities i don't know how to say that um but this he didn't start farming until he was 60 that's interesting. Yeah. So like, John always says I'm a great chef and like I don't have any formal training or anything like that. I just I've lived on my own a lot and I just 
have messed up a lot of meals <laughs> and like just tried different flavors and just never worked one way or the other and my mom was the one that was always cooking and she, she when I was younger she used to um well we I grew up as an only child with her and so she used to uh well, I used to wake up and there would be I'd walk to the kitchen or whatever and there'd be notes of like here make yourself this put that mm-hmm. you know and I've Cute. been trying I've been drinking like black coffee since before because I wasn't supposed to but she always drank it and so there was still coffee left over so I was like oh, I'm gonna also pour myself some of this so I've been drinking black coffee since I was like eight you know like just no <laughs> way. Uh, and, so, and and I can't like I don't like it with anything I don't like coffee with anything else just because it's like black coffee is the way to go for me um, but that's really interesting because it's like there is a lot of just playing around right and so I imagine one of the things that I love about Prep to Your Door is that every week I'm like looking forward to like I wonder what's going to be on this week. And yeah, there's a couple of things that I'm like, I, I hope this is on there. But yeah. a lot of it has to do with like, I wonder what else is going to be on there. Yeah. All right. So. Well, one of Go ahead. <laughs> I, was gonna <laughs> I was going to say that it's really nice to hear that because with a lot of food businesses, um, the, the model is like, this is your menu. And it might change a little bit seasonally, um, but that is actually how businesses allow for food costs to go down because they get so systemized for each recipe. They get it down to a science, and they're so efficient. Well, think about Chipotle. That's like the easiest one, right? You go to Chipotle, and they're making the same thing over and over and over, so you get better and better and better, extremely efficient at it. And they can plan their business for years in advance because they're making the same thing. Versus us where we have like a hundred recipes and we're switching that out every single week. So every week our team is not doing the same exact thing. Yeah. You know, last week they may have been, you know, preparing a meal a certain way. This this week they're preparing it totally different way. That requires, you know, different number of people, different equipment, different space. So it's like really creative behind the scenes it's also really chaotic yeah but yeah yeah and the and the most creative and chaotic part i would say along with that the the preparation is sourcing locally yeah how we get um you know whenever we reach out to these local farms they might be newer they don't have um, a system to send really nice invoicing and um, they may not have a customer service representative so anyways you order 20 heads of romaine or 100 however many you order you don't know what size they are you don't know if there's going to be dirt on them (laughs) or not and that just every single week it's like that and we got like even if you order arugula last week and it was one way this week it's different and that throws off everything in the kitchen and so our team is I think extra extra special because they are working together in these non-predictable ways um, every single week. I have a. I want Jonathan. I think Jonathan will appreciate this. How many pounds of local produce do you think we we bought this year? Over the whole year? Yeah. This year. We did. We did we a calculation. Local pounds. Yeah. Uh, local of local, produ- of local produce. Local I would probably say five hundred thousand. <laughs> no, no. Come on, bro. I'm gonna say twenty five hundred. More. It's it's in between that. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> we got yeah. we got nothing or we got everything. Yeah. So like twenty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Around 20, Almost 000. twenty. Like we 20, we estimated fifteen to twenty. Texas grown produce. 
That's awesome. For 2019. So, like, we've gotten really familiar with how local farmers work. And there's, like, there's a lot of gaps. There's a lot of problems to be solved there. And I think, personally, where we land is exactly what you just described. Like, farmers farm. That's what they do. They grow food. They are not necessarily focused on customer service or invoicing or delivering, right, logistics. And so I think that there's a lot of space for companies to fill that gap. Uh, I always imagine something very simple like an Amazon platform that you can order local produce from that makes it easy for them to list their product to bill and get the money because right now we've literally gotten bills on notebook paper. Yeah. <laughs> Back of a receipt. Back of a receipt. Like whatever they could find to write down like $300 for <laughs> romaine. You that, know? Yeah. That, that, that creates a lot of problems for them and for us because most business owners are ordering from Cisco and you know when you go to a grocery store most of that the produce you see there is at least three weeks old. That's the average. Yeah. Because it's being shipped from yeah. Mexico or California and it has to go on a, into a warehouse to a truck driven here, another warehouse, then picked up by another truck, then taken to the grocery store. That takes weeks. And then it sits on the grocery store for however long however the shelf long. life. Well, I imagine they're losing business too, right? Because there's plenty of people that would be like, you know what? I don't even want to deal with that because exactly. I need to have proper billing because I need to write it off and exactly. like blah, blah, blah. You know? So then they go to the Cisco's of the world instead yeah. of the local farmers. And so it's that gap that we're seeing that if we can uh, streamline the, the operation side of connecting businesses to local farmers, we can get more higher quality vegetables and produce into people's bodies. What, what I also love about that is that like our foundations has always been like education and help people grow, right? And it's like that's a way that you can help people grow, right? Like it's not just about the bottom line dollar. Uh, it, it's about helping them because it's, I mean that's what's important, right? Like that's th that's a big deal about like how because you imagine if it's if it's a three week process, it's it starts to age, and so then besides the fact that the soil's already messed up and there's not all the nutrients we would want in food to be, then they start losing even more in that three week process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Well, I'm I'm fascinated by HEB. Like that's my favorite. Yeah. That's my favorite store, right? Because I'm. The inventory that they have to keep up with, but the efficiency of like just a turnkey operation, like they talk about locally sourcing all their produce as well, right? Which is interesting. But I think they they genuinely care because they hear the consumers saying they care. But like, I'll go to like Oklahoma, and I'll see their supermarkets, and it's not the same kind of quality. It's not the same selection, and so I think like. From a supermarket standpoint, do they really care how fresh their produce is? Do they really care about the idea of like supporting the farmers? Or do they just say, we just need to make sure we have food on the shelf so we can sell it, right? They don't really care, no. right, other than that. Like Not the bottom line. the customer says that they care, and then they'll have to figure it out. But Enough customers. Enough customers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so but HEB, they... They own their farms. Not all of them. But HEB does own a significant portion of their farm. They own a lot of land. Like that's they I know own that's a like lot of land. Just in general. Outside of the actual, like, the parking lot and the building, you're saying, like, they actually yeah. own farms. They own land, like, physical farming, agriculture land. So in the 90s, I don't remember what happened, if it was a drought or um, 
the other thing, flood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> One of those things happened, and farmers, it was like a really bad year for farmers. And HEB, this is when they first were in the beginning stages, they didn't have the land that they have now. And they came in and they saved a lot of farms in Texas. And they didn't just come in with a checkbook and say, well, I'll buy you out. They offered like a relationship. Like, I'll front you this money, and then you provide me fresh produce over the X amount of months or years. Um, so they were a hero in Texas. And I learned that story when I was really young. I've never forgotten it to this day. And then they opened Central Market, which has a very, very high um, importance on organics. So now that they're they're investing in this organic side of food and um, they they're really about local like every single HEB that you go into is different based on neighborhood needs and and wants so I have a really I think a lot of Texans have this really great perspective about HEB yeah uh, but for me it goes back to my childhood that was our that was our grocery store in my Some s- strong small branding well they they came out they yeah. came out as like the <laughs> I think it was third or fourth. Um, favorite um, grocery store in, in the country um, that was after like Whole Foods and like all these national chains and there were like four and they're only in South Texas that's so funny yeah, they're not even in Dallas no, yeah not, no Central <laughs> Market's there but Central that's about there, but, but that's it. about it that's crazy yeah so like we'll if we go places like even my my wife now Merrick she's She'll she'll kind of be a little snob about it because she'll be like, well, it's not H E B. Like they don't have what we're looking for, you know. And so, there's people that, like the consumers, drive H E B to continue to improve. Like y'all are consumer driven as well, right? So I think like from a, like we talked about the name earlier with like Slenderella and all that. Like we hear that stuff, and you have to take into account, right? Just like, like y'all said something earlier. You said y'all are y'all probably thinking about long term, but I think of y'all as zero waste. And when I held up one of your jars here a couple weeks ago, there was a sticker on there from three years ago, right, when y'all first started. Mm-hmm. And that idea to be zero waste, did it come from y'all or did it come from the idea of, like, you hear, like, the produce, the farmers, the supermarkets, your customers, like, everyone's saying, like. It was both. Uh, honestly, in the beginning, I was kind of nervous that, like, a lot of companies start with really strong ideals in the beginning. And then as they grow, you have to sacrifice the ad- ideals to improve margins and scale and all that um, I was afraid that that might happen to us but it turns out that that's what our customers value the most about us so we get we have to keep those values around because that's why they're buying from us yeah I think like people are sick of ordering blue apron and purple carrot and freshly and getting like five ten pounds of plastic every week like it's crazy yeah, yeah. well or even with us like we went to these more expensive cups right because and then the and then we're just like you know what like do people really care should we go to the other ones and they're like no they they, they care, care. Yeah. <laughs> well they care. You, s- you saw when i was starting those ivs earlier how much paper they come in like mm-hmm. all that we have a whole separate just recycling bin of just paper that everything has to be sterile so you have to open everything up and i feel like it's so wasteful like totally. i mean it's just it's incredible how much we consume but then we demand and then we bitch about it afterwards right mm-hmm. well why is there so much plastic it's because like you keep forgetting your water bottle at home and you had to go buy one right that's what it comes down to or even the supermarket you can have uh, bulk 
right? Like you bring your own mason jar or whatever, and then like you load up on your nut butter, you can load up on your seeds and your spices. I mean, I've seen some people do it with pr- um, not only produce, but meat, mm-hmm. right? Like they'll tell the butcher, like, no, put it in this mm-hmm. here, right? That takes a lot of effort. When I used to grocery shop before I met her, I used to put like every piece of produce in those little plastic things, right? Yeah. And she just put, you know, the tomatoes in the cart or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't need to put everything in the plastic. I'll just rinse it afterwards. Yeah. So I'm saving like 10 bags of plastic every grocery trip. Weird. When I was in Europe, they don't even have the stores don't offer you bags like you have to bring when you go shopping, you you have to bring your own bags. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought that was so cool. I I was in it was in Holland, uh, Amsterdam, and the people would just come in and it would be it would be random bags, random like shopping bags from other places or reusable backpacks. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like Costco, like they didn't actually like load up bags for you either. Like the the, the guests did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much more like each person loading up their own bag and the, the cashier's checking out the next individual. And I watched that. I'm like, that just makes so much more sense. Like we are so dependent on these businesses to have this convenient aspect. And we as consumers can take an extra step and it can help the business. It can help the environment. It can help everybody if we just aren't so demanding like you said yeah so we have a pharmacy in town that we get like our nad from the Mm -hmm. nad and they'll ship it to us like which is great but when i go to go pick it up because it's right down the street from our house i'll just stop in and i'll grab it and they have to put ice packs with it to keep it cold and then they have to put this other bag with it and And i just tell them like don't like you don't have to do all that i'm just going to put it in my pocket and i'm going to drive straight to the clinic and they're like well we get it for free anyway so it doesn't cost us anything and I'm like, yeah, but then I have to dispose of it, and then I have to hang on to it, and it's just – it's unneeded, right? It's kind of like that same thing with the plastic bags. When Austin basically said, like, no more plastic bags, like, you're going to have to bring your own reusable, there were people pissed at HEB, like, in the line, like, saying, this is America. Like, I should be able to get a plastic bag to put my apples in. Like, I didn't bring my bag today, and you're going to charge me for it? You know, like, that. they got mad. And, like, the rest of us are like, just remember your reusable bags. Like, there's tons of them. They give them to you for free, basically. Like, you go to events now, people give you tote bags. So, I think I was in Walmart, and they didn't have bags. Like, they didn't even have bags you could buy, I don't think. But now they're back to having bags. So, I'm actually curious about that. They they reversed that law. Well, they reversed that law. Oh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know why. (laughs) Because I mean, oh it gosh. just made sense. Like when it was, it was when they passed I guess it. Plenty of people complained, probably. Well, it's just the progressive thinking of Austin. You know, the great city of Austin thinking, like, hey, we need to like set the example for everyone. I thought that was what they were doing, and then they reversed it. Because you go to Dallas, you go to Oklahoma, it's just the norm that you're going to get a plastic bag with everything. And it's like it doesn't have to be that way. But I look like the crazy one when I bring like mason jars of bulk stuff. I'm like, yeah, don't don't worry about that. I'll handle it myself. I'm so mad right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did reverse it. No, yeah. they reversed it. Yeah. I think they did, too, because I saw it. And I'm like, what are those bags doing? And here? they announced it. They're coming back now, just back by popular demand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, why? Like, I don't. I mean, Edward's Aquifer that's over here is like our spring water reserve, right? And they basically did not build on that whole area by the Greenbelt because of these salamanders that were in there. They were endangered. And, like, all these hippies came out of nowhere and said, you can't build on this because of these blind salamanders that live here. They're, like, one of a kind. And that's why you don't see all those homes that are over there. 
And so I'm like, people, if they care enough to, like, save the salamanders, <laughs> then they should care about plastic straws and plastic bags. And it's just like, you know, but you don't. I guess maybe part of us want to just put our heads in the sand. Ooh, I have a question for you. Right? Uh, what do you think is the highest source of plastic pollution in the ocean? Uh, like the profession or, like, the product it's itself? Like I heard it was fishing nets. That's what it is. Yeah. Fishing nets? Fishing nets. So... The big uproar was like plastic straws. Plastic straws, right? Yeah. So we banned plastic straws, and then the that makes up like four percent. Yeah, less than five percent of ocean plastic pollution is because they they're, they're made out of just undestructible like yeah. rubber, right, or something yeah. like plastic. Just not going to fishing nets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they have to, right? I Wait, you so didn't know mad. this or you didn't know this? I did. Okay. Yeah. I just get so mad when I think about it because the industry itself is like pretty cutthroat because they have to go out in, you know, any any industry that's dependent on the weather or nature, it's pretty it's pretty cutthroat. It's like a feast or famine. Yeah. yeah. And so they go out there and like these fishermen, they're working really hard. And they're in unideal conditions a lot of times, either really, really hot sun or rain and, you know, choppy waters. And, like, they don't have time to care about cutting a turtle out of the net. Like, they just have to, like, cut the net for, you know, and let it go in the ocean, stay there, and move on to the next. If, for you know, for whatever reason. I'm not completely familiar with the A to Z process, but I could see it happen happening, and I have empathy for the worker because... They, they're, they have it's also to their life. <laughs> they right. have to produce. Either it's their business or they have numbers that they have to meet when they come back to port. And it's just, I just get so mad. But, they yeah. did, but they've been doing that forever. It's the rest of the world that caught up producing more plastic products that basically there's now like, now it's all too much. Like, I guess, right? Because well, like, But well it's no, still a large percentage. The nets is 40%. like. 40%. What is it? 40%. 40%. But like that's it. Think about the if we give islands. attention to that, we can easily innovate, right? Yeah. Okay, we need something with holes in it that we can put into the ocean that will trap fish, right? Does it need to be made of plastic? No, it doesn't need to be made of, of plastic. There's smart people at MIT that can figure out a better material and will catch just as many fish. It's just about shifting the attention in that direction. Well, correct. I yeah. want to go back to the forty percent. I, ha, have y'all seen the... And eating less fish. <laughs> yeah. Eat less fish. Well, well, yeah, I mean, if the consumer doesn't eat the fish, then they, they don't have yeah. to fish as much, right? I mean, but that's, that's yeah, that's a long answer. Hey, Vitamizers, we are so thankful that you guys are listening to this podcast and enjoying it and responding to it. We love hearing your feedback. And to thank you for listening to the podcast, if you haven't ordered an item from the Slenderella store before, we have a discount for you. If you go to www.slenderellausa.com, that link is also below. If you go to that link uh, and use the code WELCOME20, all one word, uh, at checkout, you will get 20% off your entire first order on our website. Again, thank you so much for listening to the How Do You Health podcast, sponsored by Slenderella. Please go to our website, slenderellausa.com, use the code WELCOME20 at checkout, and you'll get 20% off of your entire order. Thanks so much, Vitamizers. Nah, I don't I don't know. That's a whole nother stuff. What were you going to say? Well, now I'm more interested in talking about that. But what I was going to say <laughs> is that if I all I can imagine is like all of the 
plastic bottles and plastic cups. They have I- they literally have islands of trash in the ocean from yeah. the currents meeting, and it just is trapped there. And I'm imagining all that plastic, and then to know that it's still there's more fishing nets than all that than all the plastic all bottles the things, in the yeah. world. There's still more fishing nets right. in the ocean. That's scary to me. Yeah. Well, we had a an awesome party this past weekend yes. and uh yes, we did some did. the, the uh, christy and colin who helped us run the 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 breath work part i don't know if you guys got to experience that part or not well we also had a dream board and and colin wrote that he wrote uh where is it i can see it here he's like his goal was to uh autonomously autonomously 3d print houses from ocean plastic that's Whoa, his that's his that dream is fucking cool and uh and so, there, I mean, like you said, like if you shift that attention there, exactly. like there's going to be a solution, right? Yeah, like, we're so creative. Like, we can do it. Which is awesome, right? It's like, hey, I want to build houses from plastic, specifically from the ocean. Yeah. It's like, why couldn't we do that, right? That's like, really interesting. So, I, there is a company here in Austin who's 3D printing houses. Have you all heard of it? I, yes, but I don't remember too it's much. It's for homeless. I think I actually might have heard it from you, actually. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's for homeless people. They're printing um, three houses for homeless people, and they're like it's like bare bones, like basic, but it's like shelter, and it's and it's got like sinks and toilets, like it's full, it's fully equipped. It's nicer than <laughs> what they do now. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually and the but the coolest part about it for me. So first they're starting with the um, the give back, like for homeless, and then eventually once they get the technology down, I think that they'll actually allow people to buy these homes, but. Um, what was interesting to me is that when you 3D print, you have, um, you don't have any waste at all. Whereas whenever you build a house, I think they said there's always a minimum of two tons of trash and waste that can't be recycled, that can't be reused. It's just like particle board and extra paint and all that stuff whenever you actually build the house that you don't have to deal with with pr- 3D printing. Like you literally press a button and it's perfectly made from start to finish, no waste, nothing to throw away, and um, and it's going to be so cheap because it's super, super scalable. Mm-hmm. So wh- we're going to have affordable housing. In the next decade, we'll have affordable 3D printed housing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's incredible, right? Because then specifically, he'd be like, well, b- go get the plastic from the ocean. He can just <laughs> use a different... He can just use a different... Uh, so, uh, a different source, source. Yeah, yeah. You're right. yeah. I mean, I, I, we live in a, in a world where like anything ha- can happen, right? And you can learn it pretty quickly. And if not, someone else has the answer. And I, I love the community that we have here in Austin because like it's from all different. It's really interesting that in the medical industry that we are in, we just cross paths with someone that's in the food industry, and then we're just like best friends and still working in the same department, right? It's like there's no reason why things have to be so different it's all the same right it's just like people are all the same like we can still create something so yeah i I can't wait to 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 see what happens next year well you you have problems that people are finding solutions for and like you look at like the homeless situation right and that seems very bleak like you drive around austin panhandling was legalized years ago right so that kind of enabled people to basically set up these homeless camps right that everyone complains about like i mean they're blatantly just out in the open right but like just like anything else in austin everything's growing but they need a place right and so if you can create that it's not like the government basically came up with that idea 
right? The idea is like someone was sitting there. It's like, I can do this. I can come up with this idea. I know this person. They can create this too. All of a sudden, boom, it comes up. Just like with y'all, right? Plastic's such an issue. So we're going to do something about it. We're going to create a whole company that just basically serves food through a mason jar. And it's reusable, right? And all of a sudden, that's going to be the norm in like five or ten years, right? Like maybe you're copying, maybe you're not. But you set the trend, right? To where now it's like it's the cool thing to be zero waste. Oh, you have a new food company? Are you zero waste? What's your recyclable <laughs> program like? You know, like tell me about like where are you locally sourced? And so you you you're changing the conversation, exactly. right? And no longer is it like we can't do this because it hasn't been done before. So no, we just do it this way now because this is what it is, right? Like people are looking at living on Mars, but it's like, well, we want to live here on Earth. So what's it like to like make the Earth better for our kids and their generation? What do we need to do to instill that that happens? Like bees, right? Like there's like I looked at a couple of farms for beehives, you know, and people are like beekeeping is like a cool thing now, but yet it enables like the ecosystem to continue to thrive. You can get tax breaks right here. Yeah. Like if you own bees or something like that. I think that and the chickens. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> chickens. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. One day. Y'all gonna have some chickens. One day he'll let me. I, I'm okay with having chickens if they're far away from me. Why? We I don't want chickens. them to be I'm far away. I'm just not interested in chickens. You don't <laughs> like them or what? Yeah, I don't like chickens. They're like the best fertilizer. Like, they provide the best fertilizer for the ground. And great know, grasshopper God. control. Yeah? <laughs> I just don't like them. I right just like don't like them. <laughs> you don't like the way you look at it. I don't like birds. I have, like, a phobia of birds. It's not, like, rational or anything. It's an irrational. Like fear. pigeons? Like you and pigeons? I like, y'all don't cross the same path? pigeons, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll see a pigeon, and I will go that way. If he sees a dead bird, oh my God, you have never seen him upset. Like oh, so it's like not even. Well, obviously, it wouldn't make you happy, but it's just like, it, it if I see a dead bird, it doesn't make me happy. It like grosses me out. So does a living bird? I don't think anybody's getting value from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> <A living> bird, <laughs> no, because maybe there's somebody out there with a weird phobia too. Yeah. Maybe you can help us explain it. Alive birds are bad. Dead birds make him sick. Birds in general. They don't make me sick. It just like. I get like a weird, like chills. Like I don't want to look at that. That's what I mean. But it's a dead creature. Why would I want to look at it? Sure. Yeah. It's just different with birds. Yeah, something about birds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know man. Ever since I was a kid. Do you, and did you ever like big birds? Wait, wait. And the funny <laughs> thing is, <laughs> we had two, two people on staff, with the name Bird. I know. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh wait, we had Bird, yeah, and then we had bird bird, bird, bird Man. Yeah. And I was like, this is your, these are your demons coming to face you. <laughs> 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 You're like, you treat those guys a little bit differently. I've noticed that bias. <laughs> Wait, so do you call, uh, Michael, I do call you call him Bird? Bird? Okay. Yeah, Bird. I was like, Bird. I wonder if that's yeah. a trigger. No, he's, he can say it. It's a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we get people that are, that are, have needle phobias all the time, which is really interesting, yeah. but yet they're all tatted up. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. it happens a lot. I always ask them that. It happens a lot. Like, they'll freak out because they'll sign the waiver, and then they'll go to the back, and then I start drawing up the shot, and they're like, wait a second. Like, what are we doing here? And I was like, we signed a medical waiver. We're doing injections. I thought we were doing shots. It's usually guys. It's always guys, actually. Women are like, whatever. I don't. I, I have three kids. Like, give me whatever. Like, I don't care. But guys with, like, full sleeves, like, nose rings and all that, they're like, it's not the same. As what? Wait. As a like a shot is way worse than a tattoo. But that's what they tell me. But what do they think they're coming in here for? I don't know. (laughs) 
I really don't know <laughs> because there's three or four checkpoints that get to that room to where it's like this is like I'm a nurse practitioner like you're signed a medical waiver there's an IV menu when you walk <laughs> in the board and there's needles like there's pictures of needles like you're getting a medical service well I thought we were doing shots yes we're doing shots you get one in the arm or the behind and they're like oh so why did I sign that waiver and I'm like you signed it because it's a medical pers- like it still doesn't register they're still trying to get her out of it. They're still because right now they're just freaking out. Oh. They're just freaking the f out. They're trying to backtrack, but they're already back they in the room. I don't know how to say I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Let's I'm say scared. let's just say your friend for one example that came in here that one time. Yeah. Totally afraid of needles. Yeah. Got an IV and still didn't tell me how bad his phobia was. Right? I mean, that's like well why did you sign up for one? Well, yeah, he told me, he's, but he thought he's, he's – we talked about it later. Okay. No, it happened with another guy. Another guy came in with his girlfriend, <laughs> and he passed out even before. And the interesting thing was the girlfriend's like, well, give him, the, give him a shot now. It's like, no, <laughs> like, you're not doing that. That's he messed up. He won't know. He won't know. Yeah, that's what like, she said. Well, this is the only way he's going to get us. I said, no, that's wrong. Know. I'm not doing that. So he came in again, though, and tried it, and he sat down on the couch just to make sure just everything was okay and you know held his breath and we held his hand and two seconds later it was over so my friend who i who came in yeah. with the needle phobia yeah he um he wouldn't he, when i talked to him he did not tell me he thought it was from the needle he's like i think it was something in the iv and i was like i don't no. know how to break this to you but you, your symptoms that you that you showed were like classic needle passing out symptoms. <laughs> That's a diagnosis. Like, I don't know how to say it, but like semi having seizures, sweating. eyes rolling back, sweating, yeah. can't feel my hands and feet. It's like it's classic. It's cla- it's textbook. It's oh just yeah. Yours, his happened to be about five times as long as I've ever seen before. I never seen that long either. And we've seen a <laughs> lot. We did one at ACL last year, and there was a guy sitting up in a chair, and he just like seconds later it's just because it's just <laughs> you know like it, just something goes through their head the birds or whatever it is right i mean i don't know what it is i don't know <laughs> but yeah so that isn't that weird that the denial i don't know he's he didn't he thought he he thought he'd be okay and he doesn't think it's because of the needle that's just fine. a little feedback that's well, fine that's no, fine he told me he said that he ha- he was on an empty stomach and he, got he told me vitamins. he ate he told me he ate he's just bullshitting around he's scared of needles it's okay (laughs) that's what i said he's like no (laughs) anyways it doesn't matter well you don't have to prove anything to anyone here that's the issue it's like guys tend to like say like i have to prove my my manhood or something right it's like like who was this saying earlier uh we were talking to someone earlier and they were saying it's it's cool because younger guys now are talking about their feelings and expressing their vulnerability and like guys never did that before and you know, like this macho-ness. Like, we had that party and there was no alcohol involved. Right? Like, that how many cool. people How many people want to go to a Christmas party that don't have alcohol? Let alone a vegan food potluck. Right? And all of a sudden, like, that was the cool thing. Like, yeah. you know, like, like people like, yeah, I want more of this. We were at another sober party the night before. Yeah. Yeah. It was Becoming really cool. Thing. Yeah, it was great. They were all hopped up on vitamins, though. <laughs> yeah. I was super caffeinated. <laughs> <laughs> did you have one of the drinks that night? Of course I did. Of course you did. He had two, I think. No, I had when nice. I can't have two uh, at Elsa's party on Friday. That's why you were there so late. Yeah, I was there till like two in the morning because I was like. Okay, I was so confused by this. That's it. 
that's what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's the he's like a bigger homebody than me. And I woke up and he still wasn't home. And I'm like, okay, wow, I'm so proud of you. You're exercising <laughs> your social muscle. Okay. It was yeah, a he caffeine had a, muscle. Yeah, he had a slender eater for yeah, sure. Yeah, had a slender <laughs> eater. All right, well, I think we're just shooting the shit now. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's do this. Um, any last words? <laughs> um, not really. 2020, what's your goal? What do you want to happen, Baldo? Forget goal. What do you I want wanna, to happen? I want to. Can I can I propose something? Sure. Something a little bit sure. more meaningful than sure. 2020 goals. Yeah. No offense. Um, I would like to propose that we go around and talk and give an example of how mindset has changed their day or their week or their life in some way like switching the script in your brain yeah i know what makes the biggest difference for me what is it when i wake up and i say thank you first thought in the morning my day is always better who do you say thank you to whatever whatever's out there god okay i just say thank you it changes everything rather than like taking out my phone and going to instagram yeah if i can start my day in a thank you mindset it's it's a total totally different day yeah but it's supposed to be like uh grace right or being thankful it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like the highest vibration right in this universe oh i didn't know that yeah um i forgot exact there was actually some science behind that comment and I can't remember where that was from, but yes, I mean, a lot of people refer to it, but I've, I know there's a book in here that refers specifically to like numbers, uh, frequencies and vibrations, mm-hmm. and grace and thankfulness is the highest for sure. Coffee is actually a low frequency. Correct. That I ma- and it makes me tired. See, but I've been drinking it since I've been eight. <laughs> no, it, it'll 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 jack me up, but then I'll like I'll crash. Is essentially what happens. Sure. So. Um, interesting. Uh, do you want to share? What is... A mindset thing you do? You meditate every day. I so. meditate every day. Um, what is a mindset? Uh, I think for me, it's just, it's always, well, I do a whole thing in the morning. I mean, like, and I'll share it once again, because I have shared it. Um, I wake up, I do some sort of movement, I drink water. Um, I do meditate, and I visualize what I, what my day is going to look like or a number I want to hit if I'm thinking of that uh, I journal and part of my journal is it's it, it I have it's I do it on my phone and there's a template where at the end it says uh, three things I'm thankful for and so even if I don't feel like journaling I'll I'll write like hey I don't really have much to say but I'm gonna go ahead and write my 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 three thankful things um, so I'll do that and then uh, What's the, oh, and then I'll read for a while. And so all that just sets the tone for the rest of my day. Does it, does, does it matter what you read? Not necessarily. Because um, I think that a lot of the meditation I can t- tap into, a motivating thing that I've read before. I mean, technically, uh, Hal Elrod is who I started this little um, Miracle Morning is a book that he wrote that I developed this, this practice now. I call it my morning practice and <coughs> I usually do yoga but for me the mindset is just like it doesn't matter what it is like the answer's out there right and so 
I don't know, like John always refers to that all the time that I'll, like he'll, I can see him like thinking about something and then I was like, dude, don't worry about it. Like the answer's there. It'll come to you. Mm-hmm. And then, mm. and then he just like lets it go and then it's like, oh, we got it. You yeah. know, and it's just, yes. and it's just that, that there's mindset that like, hey, no matter what it is, there's the answer is there. And if anything, just pull back so that way you let your so subconscious you yeah. uh, work on it. Right. Because it, it works way smarter than, than your brain. Yes. Yeah. What's Very yours? Cool. Um, well, I do self-affirmations. Like, um, I'm strong. I'm positive. I'm a money magnet. <laughs> you know, like, uh, any hype myself up, essentially. Because your brain, what I learned was, there's, I think, s- every day or every second, something crazy, statistic, we're, we can, we're processing about 60 million pieces of information. I think it's every second. But your brain can only process um, a few hundred. And so whatever your belief systems are about yourself, your brain finds evidence for that to be true. Mm -hmm. So if you find, if you believe that you have been a victim of something, then you will, your brain will, it can only, it will, it can only find a, a sliver of information that it's seeing and processing. So it's going to take what, it can make sense of yeah. and yeah. so i'm trying to reprogram my brain in that way yeah to believe these other things there's a book called the maximum maximum achievement but uh, i can't think of the name right now anyways there, there's a quote on there mm-hmm. referring to that that says uh that your brain always wants to prove you right more than it wants to be successful mm. and yeah and it's a lot about how you that's the one speak to yourself about because yes. it's like whatever that is like it's gonna prove you right you know and then there's a whole exercise on like how to always find parking because and then it goes into mm-hmm. this whole research mm-hmm. about like how in a specific in a, in a given area there's always like x amount of parking spots but just the idea that people are driving is like dude like it's it sucks it's downtown like i'm probably not going to find parking like you'll just pass it you even though there's an open spot like you're going to prove yourself right and just block it can i tell you something sure I get front row parking oh wherever yeah, I too. go. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> me too. John like freaks out about and it. Yes, my that is where we wrap it yeah. up. Okay, yeah. bye. Front row parking. <laughs> Manifest it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>